Hey, one quick thing before we get started. I just want to remind you that this podcast is for information, education, and entertainment. It is not a substitute for therapy or therapeutic intervention. If you find yourself in crisis, please visit your local emergency room or contact a crisis hotline. On this episode of the LOL Pod, my guest, Cindy Savage, and I talk inclusivity, the wedding industry, and pride. Let's jump in. Hey everyone, it's LaShonda from Labors of Love, and you are listening to the Labors of Love podcast. Super excited to have the conversation with my guest today. She is a queer wedding planner and officiant, Cindy Savage. Welcome, Cindy. Hi, I'm glad to be here. I'm so glad you're here. So I am going to start with you, like I do with all of my guests, and ask, what is your labor of love? Well, I've been giving this question some thought since you invited me to be on here, and I'm going to say like as a grand overarching theme, my labor of love is to make it so that no one else has to go through what I've gone through. Mm. But more specifically, what I tell people is my career is planning weddings, but my calling is making the industry more inclusive to my LGBTQ plus community. Got it. Thank you. And I really appreciate the way you frame that, right? Because some of us are, I think, fortunate enough to make money doing our labor of love. But sometimes it takes on a form that what we're doing is just one avenue by which we kind of hit a greater good. And so um, we have tons to talk about, right? Um, But I want to start by saying, like, why the wedding planning avenue, right? So there could be tons of ways for you to move about making the world a more inclusive and safe place for the LGBTQ plus community. But you chose for all of us to say, even after many many years, (laughs) don't worry about that. We all stumble over the alphabet. I appreciate that. (laughs) Um, So why weddings? Well, um, you know, I kind of fell into weddings, actually. Um, I have been both married and divorced. And when I planned my own very gay wedding back uh, 11 years ago now, um, after being engaged for three years, waiting, hoping it would be legal, um, and finally getting tired of just waiting and deciding to dive in, uh, started planning and I encountered what a lot of LGBTQ plus couples continue to encounter, which is a whole lot of exclusion. Um, you go to a wedding vendor's website and everything is directed toward the bride or the bride and groom. You inquire and um, people respond and assume your partner's gender. Uh, You go to um, a wedding dress shop with your partner to both shop for dresses. You walk in and they say, oh, are you sisters? Which one of you is the bride? There's just no, um, there's no, and it is, it has changed somewhat over the 10 years I've been doing this now, but um, it is still an industry-wide problem. Um, that the wedding industry is very, very focused on one person, and that is the bride who is presumed to be marrying a man, the groom, um, and to the exclusion of everyone else. And it was annoying and frustrating and sometimes painful um, dealing with that sort of, um, not not generally, like I was in Chicago, it's a big city, it's pretty liberal. I, I really didn't have face any like overt discrimination Um, But it was just the fact that no matter who I inquired with or or who I was talking to, I always had to preface it or um, sort of fess up after the fact by saying like, hey, this is two women getting married. Um, Other people in other places, particularly more conservative areas, uh, face a lot more discrimination to the point of, you know, still in the year 2021, um, people are still being told, no, we won't host your wedding because you're gay. Um, and, and just, you know, you know, going out of their way to say mean things instead of just saying, sorry, we're not available or whatever else. Um, so as I was planning my wedding, I kind of encountered this and I was like, but where are the people who serve us? And there just wasn't, you know, there really wasn't. Um, and so, uh, I, previous to starting my wedding planning career, I, I was in theater. I had a theater degree. Um, my background is in stage management, which is, um, 
planning events for lots of people and making sure they go well. Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a training and career that translated really, really well um, to planning my own wedding. And sort of after that, actually before that, I, I had occasionally entertained the notion of becoming an event planner before ever even meeting my ex or becoming engaged just because um, in the world of theater, you often end up doing things that aren't really like what you plan to do. Um, because, you know, hey, you join a theater company. That's great. Now the theater company has got to have an annual fundraiser gala and somebody's got to plan that party. Mm. And so you can just sort of like stage managers in particular, I think, get, tend to get roped into these things um, because we're good at organizing stuff and handling logistics. That's what we do. Uh, so I had done a few of those. And um, after I had graduated college, it was right kind of during the height of the marriage equality movement, um, which sort of began in the early 2000s. Uh, so I was doing a lot of like protesting and organizing and volunteering for some of the organizations that were pushing for marriage equality and other rights for our community uh, and ended up working on some of their fundraisers and galas and stuff like that too and sort of just got bit by the event planning bug in a way that's a little different from theater. Um, so I sort of fell into it and uh, one of the reasons that I decided to go for it was because I saw that space that really needed to be filled. Um, I saw that there was a whole section of people that that were just not being seen and not being included, uh, myself myself among them. And um, I, I just thought that's something I can do that would make this better for other people and would also be fulfilling and fun uh, for me. So there are so many different directions I want to go with this. But first, I would like to start by at least talking a little bit about how we got connected. And when I think about when and how we got connected, it really helps for me to realize how quickly time passes, right? So my best friend is a wedding photographer who focuses on creating safe and inclusive environments for the LGBTQ community. And I, one, she's just an amazing human. She's an amazing photographer. And I was so intrigued from the moment I met her into what does, what does that mean? Like creating this environment and one thing that I want to talk a lot about is this idea of inclusion and this feeling of belonging, because that we can talk about. It's, it's a it's a basic human fundamental need. Um, so apparently you all wedding industry folk, just like every other industry, like therapy and all that stuff, have online platforms and Facebook groups and things like that, where you all, whatever, share referrals and ask questions. And mm -hmm. you were writing for a magazine or editing. You were an editor for a magazine, right? And yeah. you were working on an article of um, families, like what to do if you're getting married around election time and your yes. families have different political views. So How to, to tell plan you, a wedding when civilization is doomed. Yes. Is the name of the article. Yeah. I didn't know that was the name of it, but there yep. you go. Right? And it's on um, the Catalyst Wedding at Co blog, as well I as my own. It. We will make sure we link that in the show notes. And so my best friend did not have an answer for that, but she did <laughs> say to me like, hey, this thing has popped up in this group and being a family therapist, like, can I connect you to? And it's like, yeah. And you happen to be coming to Cincinnati for a wedding right, in Northern yeah. Kentucky. And so we met and it was Which, awesome, which was a queer right? wedding. <laughs> and what I, you know, we met, we had coffee. It was, it was amazing. And so I really appreciated. So I had been able to see a little bit into the industry from her lens, right? And then I got to meet you and start following your social media. And I got to see more and more of the industry. So what I can say as a person who has been married twice, divorced once, and which is act like the first thing didn't happen. Like there was no form. We had a wedding, but you know, they're definitely, yeah, it was fine. Anyway, <laughs> who's gone through this wedding planning process. I just want to say, first of all, it's stressful as is, right? With yeah. the, the whole industry that caters to you, because I was the bride marrying the groom. Even with a whole industry catering to me, it still had so much potential for stress, and for anxiety and for all of these different things. And I'm a very organized person and I am detail oriented and, and even having put forth a lot of work, I see the potential for so much stress. So then you add on top of it, I can't now navigating the world as a fat black woman, I, I, I understand so many aspects of erasure, deletion, lack of inclusion, assumption, um, just outright racism. Right. Um, Another facet of the wedding, well, two other facets of the wedding industry, they're also quite excluded. Yeah. 
right? So then I just sit and I think, and yet there is not there. I didn't, what I didn't experience is an entire industry in validating my love and how much more difficult just going through the process would have been had that been the case. And so when you talk about this world that you navigate all the time and you're trying to change the scope of how this entire industry works with an entire community of people, I hear that and I'm like, that's big. But I know that big things get done when we break them down into smaller things. So can you tell us just a little bit about what are some of these seemingly small things that you are doing that's helping change the landscape of the wedding industry? Yeah. Well, the first, which is both a big and a small thing is, is language. Um, What it's the first thing that everyone encounters, whether it's on your website or your inquiry form or your contract. Um, When you go there and someone shows you a document and it says bride and groom, it's a wholly different experience from when you go there and someone shows you a document that says partner A and partner B or you and your future spouse, or however we word it. There's lots of, you know, different, different options for words to use. And, you know, exactly which ones you pick isn't the point, but the point is that you have to, um, it's a big mindset shift, which is expressed in many small ways. So if you put yourself in the mindset of how can I serve everyone and not just what I think a wedding is supposed to look like from a vendor perspective, it's, it's a lot of questioning question. You have to question your own, um, not just biases, obviously, but your own like processes and, and, and how you approach things as well as questioning your clients about what they want and what they need. Um, as with, I think almost everything in the field of LGBTQ plus equality, uh, the strides we can make to include the LGBTQ plus community actually help everyone else too. So uh, <laughs> when we stop approaching it from everything revolves around the bride, then we start understanding that it actually takes two people to get married. Really? And the other one, you know, like Such a we new really shouldn't write off right? his existence or her existence <laughs> or their existence, right? Yeah. And I mean, I've had straight, straight couples who hired me and told me one of the reasons they hired me was because I made eye contact with both of them at the consultation and I included both of them on my emails. Mm-hmm. So it's like a little thing where, you know, you have two clients, so you should have two clients sign your contract. You should address all of your emails to both of your clients, unless they specifically request otherwise, which is one way of managing some of the stress and the workload of planning a wedding. So obviously respect that, but, um, but it's a lot of little things like that. Uh, and it's um, just coming from a more curious approach, I think is the, is the most helpful thing to do. Like uh, for a lot of people, say you're a photographer, I'm sure Cass could speak to that, but uh, our photographers often will have um, a former questionnaire to get your family information and who you want in formal photos and um, what are some of the timeline events that are going to happen during the day, like a first dance or a parent dance. And if you approach that as, as uh, if you come at it saying, um, what song are you and your dad going to dance to? That implies a, that your dad's going to be there, mm-hmm. B that you have a relationship with your dad that makes you want to dance with him <laughs> and, and see that you, that, that, uh, a, a ceremonial dance of that sort is, um, something that's part of your plans. Whereas if you come from another approach and you say, are you planning on doing a first dance or any other ceremonial or formal dances, then you get the open question, like, yeah, I want to dance with my dad, or maybe I want to dance with my mom. I want to split the dance with both of my parents. I want to include my step-parents. My, you know, we want to do a whole family dance, which I've had done, and just invite everyone who's related to you on the dance floor. So and it opens up so many options. Um, there is a, a TED Talk that I watched, gosh, it's probably six or seven years ago now at this point. Um, Kim and Teek Milan is their names, um, and they're a queer couple. One of them is trans, and the the TED talk was a kind of about their, their meeting and their relationship and, and getting together and some of the obstacles they face being um, a black queer trans couple, which are many. Um, but one line that has always stuck in my brain and I just keep with me. And in fact, I, I wrote a blog post with it as a title because it just really hit home for me um, is at one point Kim in the talk, she, she just says the gift of queerness is options. And it's really just a reminder to me that we uh, there's certainly a lot of obstacles, 
but we have a lot of freedom that straight people um, could have, <laughs> but don't realize they can have, right? So because we don't have hundreds of years of wedding traditions handed down that show us what a gay wedding looks like, we get to decide um, and explore what feels right to us and pick only those things. Um, we, we, <laughs> we get to choose, you know, a lot of us queer folks talk about our chosen family because for many of us, we don't have good relationships with our biological family um, because they've rejected us due to their own beliefs or whatever. Um, so there's a lot, there's a lot less um, blood relative involvement generally in queer weddings. Um, although that is really starting to shift, which I, I love. Like I, lo I love that so many of my LGBTQ plus clients now have parents who are not just showing up out of obligation, but are tr truly enthusiastically supportive of their relationships and 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 overjoyed to gain their new <laughs> their new family member and um, and to celebrate. And that that is one thing. Although I, I haven't seen big shifts in the industry approach as a whole. I have seen a lot of big shift culturally towards um, family and parents being more accepting. Um, Love that. Which, I, so, which is thrilling. <laughs> and I want to pause you so I don't yeah. lose track of that because you said so much good stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I'm always going to bring it back to trauma <laughs> because yeah. that's what I do. We got it. And <laughs> as, as I'm hearing you talk and I just, I think about this. One thing that you said that I think is so key is equity and equality and safety for one leads to the advancement of equity, equality, and safety for all people. And that is where so many people are really missing it, right? right. So I think about being a family therapist, the, the, the variety of families that I see and I, I, I mean, having families where members are part of the LGBTQ plus community, but I also just means family is complicated. Okay. Right. And yeah. it was, it was, it was being in proximity to Cass, my best friend and her work that I realized even my own intake forms needed to shift. Right. right. Because the constellation of this family, who knows? And I am a person who has chosen family as well. And, and, and it's embedded in my culture. I mean, my mother was like an only child, yet I got more aunties and uncles and cousins than I can name, right? <laughs> so we're not looking for a biological relationship right. or DNA. We're looking for relationship. And when I close off the opportunity to mom, dad, you know, sisters, brothers, and, and, and how that is, I'm missing an entire scope of family who needs my help to come to wholeness and safety and, and get through some of this right. trauma. So I really do, you know, when I'm talking about cultural humility, I think one of the most basic tenets of it is listen and believe people when they talk to you. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think that's like, if we started there, we would be a whole different world because if someone is telling you this, this, I, I'm not included in this snapshot we don't have to figure out the why, well, and I, and I, and I. no, we just go, oh, what are some ways to, to help people? Because we are never going to be able to identify, oh, there's never going to be the standard family, right? Mm -hmm. Or wedding or couple. And so I, I just, I really just wanted to reiterate that, that opening up, it doesn't matter what industry you're in, right? Especially my folks who listen, who are in the mental health world, who we're required to do some form of assessment, right? And so when I asked growing up, you know, who are your primary caregivers? Maybe it wasn't mom or dad. Mm -hmm. Maybe there were circumstances where mom and dad were not there, but it was grandma or auntie or neighbor. When we are just open and curious, hey, there's that word I use again, curious. When we go in with the idea we literally have no idea. So let's just stop trying. Right. Let's just go, let me ask. <laughs> In yeah. the most open way that allows for story and allows for people to come as themselves, every single industry, period, can be revolutionized. Mm -hmm. so I really appreciate it. Yeah. And it's, you know? it's both, like I said, it's both a big and a small shift. Yes. You know, it's a big shift in mindset and it's a small, small shift in in language and approach, you know, right. instead of this is a form, these are the things that happen at a wedding. Who are the names of the people that are doing them at yours? It's you're having a wedding. What does that look like to you? 
what yes. are the important elements to you? What mini ceremonial things do you want to include? Do you want to have a first dance? Do you want to cut a cake or other dessert in a ceremonial way? Do you want to exchange rings? Because all of these are optional. Something I've had on my website and my sales media literally since the day I opened my business is that I have only two rules for planning a wedding. Choose the right person and follow whatever directions come from any governmental body or religious institution that you want to recognize your marriage. Everything else is an option. Everything else is a party. And you get to decide if any of those things matter to you. And I love that because when I say babies and weddings are billion dollar industries where people try to convince you, you need a bunch of crap you don't need. And I remember when I was getting married, right? So two stories stick out. It's when I think I just wanted my mother to feel included. So I asked her a question about flowers. Yeah. And then she went on, well, your grandmother needs, why my grandma, first of all, do you know how much these flowers cost? Grandma don't need flowers. As a matter of fact, (laughs) yes, I know you do. Uh, As a matter of fact, you don't need flowers. And at the time, Jay was like, I don't need flowers. Like, look, we don't need this. So it was just this thing, you know. So there's this cost barrier that made me question. Then I was super stressed out. Okay. Super stressed out because I, I didn't, it was the guest book. And I had a really good friend, Walt. I don't even know if you listen to my podcast, but I love me some Walt, Walter Junwick. And we were working together. And I remember him asking me like, so are you going to like hang the guest book up? Are you going to display it? And I'm like, no. And he's like, so why do you just need like a book with a whole bunch of signatures you won't be able to read? And I was like, Walter, why do I, you know what? I don't need that. And that's when I decided we didn't need programs and we didn't need, and it's, and so what I do appreciate that I hope people are hearing period is options and how many of the things that we do, we are doing not even because they are rituals that we want to hold on to, or that we even know what the meaning is, but we in some way, shape or form feel, feel guilted. (laughs) into maintaining something that we are really not even connected with. Right. There's a lot of, um, but that's just the way it's done kind of. Um, And, and much of that comes from wedding vendors. Uh, But, but yeah, um, I have a tool that's called, I'm going to swear. I have a cool, a tool that's called the fuck it bucket. And that's where you chuck everything that you don't care about just goes in the fuck it bucket. And if you change your mind, you can pull back out. But, uh, but, but Along the same vein of what I said earlier, I like to suggest that literally every wedding tradition and everything you've ever heard of should start in the fuck it bucket. And only if you want it, should you pull it back out. And I think it's important to distinguish too between um, what you need and what you want. Mm. So what mm-hmm. you need to get married, assuming you want your state and the federal government to recognize it, what you need is a marriage license and a ceremony either at a courthouse or performed by someone who is legally allowed to do so to perform the ceremony, sign the thing and mail it in and get it filed, right? There's almost nowhere in America you can't do that for under $100. Mm-hmm. A couple places do have very high fees, but most, most, most of the United States, you can get that done for under a hundred bucks. Um, and then there's all the things that you might want. You might want to celebrate by throwing a party with the people you care about most. You might want to celebrate by throwing a party that your parents help you pay for that also includes your mom's best friend from high school and her, uh, you know, the neighbor of the house next door you grew up in. You might want flowers. You might want a DJ. You might want a dance floor. You might want to feed these people. But you also might not. Mm. I love the you might not. So it's important to just, yeah, like I, uh. I have an exercise I put all my my planning clients through that that actually makes them sit down and envision what what is what's already in my brain from having just existed in the world. What are my preconceived notions about a wedding? And and when I envision my own wedding, what does that look like in my brain? And they do it separately from each other. And I think that's really important. And then they have to come together and talk about it and compromise on a joint vision. And after they do that, then I come in and help them make that thing happen. But, but it starts with what, what, you know, like throw everything else aside that, that isn't actually required and, and think about what's meaningful to you. So first of all, um, I'm going to have a bucket in my office 
yeah. uh, after Label this it. conversation. <laughs> and I'm super excited about that because <laughs> I know I hold on to a bunch of stuff that needs to be in that bucket. And I like this idea. I mean, I feel that's so applicable to so many areas in life. Sure. It's what, what preconceived notions do you have about a home, right? We just built a house yeah. and it is amazing the things that I thought I had to have, not for any other reason, but because that's, that's what people do, right? That's what people have. Right. Or yeah. when you, I mean, a job, a partner, all these different things. So yeah. to be able to truly understand that. So here's an example. Have you ever start singing a song and it felt really, really, really random to you. Like, where did that come from? But then you realize that like five minutes ago, it was on a commercial and you just weren't paying attention, (laughs) right? We think a lot of our ideas are original. I came up with that. No, you didn't. Mm -hmm. Like, and and people spend billions of dollars because they know how the brain works to make you think that was your idea. But in fact, it was not, (laughs) but now you're going to go buy it. So anytime I get a craving for food, I go, something snuck in somewhere. Mm-hmm. What, what was I here? What snuck in that really made me want to go spend my money? Cause it's, mm-hmm. I never have a craving for anything I want to cook. <laughs> I always have a craving for something I need to go buy. And right. I'm like, oops, something snuck in. Or that in. should somehow already be in your house. Like. There you go. Right. And so it, it is just how the brain works. So I love yeah. that. So I hear that one language is a super huge thing. Two, that you are working with couples to kind of get rid of the things that they're coming with that they don't sometimes know they have to create their own unique vision, which is beautiful. What else is in that beautiful toolbox of work that you do? Those assumptions. Those are the two biggest things, but really, uh, you know, specifically for other wedding pros, it's, um, you know, queer people, we have a lot of trauma and so much of our cultural expectations around weddings are about these moments and rituals that we are supposed to have with our families of origin. You're supposed to go dress up with your mom. You're supposed to, you know, dance with your dad. You're supposed to whatever. Um, You know, if you have siblings, they're supposed to be your best people in your wedding. There's just, there's just so much. And there's, and every one of those, um, supposed to is our assumptions, expectations is a moment where someone in our community is going to feel hurt. You know, as we get married, if we don't have those relationships with our family, we go, I'm going to go wedding dress shopping and I can't go with my mom because my mom won't come to my wedding. Never mind to shop for this dress with me. I want to dance at my wedding, but I can't dance with my dad because I don't have a relationship with my dad whatever it is, we, we, at every point. So it's more than just, um, you know, fix your forms, which of course you should do, um, don't, don't exclude them in the first place, but there's a sensitivity that's needed. And again, once you put this mindset into, into your brain, um, it also, you know, there's, there's straight people who don't have great relationships with their dads (laughs) or their moms or their biological families. Mm -hmm. Um, And some of them have been my clients too. And it's just, it's just fixing that approach of assuming that certain things are going to happen because they're tradition or because they have happened in every other wedding you've ever worked on so far. Um, So it's, it's really just about ditching the assumptions, um, ditching gender roles as another biggie that's along the same lines, but just simply not assuming that two women who walk in to your office and say, Hey, we're getting married. Can you help us with our wedding? They may not be both brides. They might not both be women just because they appear that way to you. You know, so it's just really the basic step of not assuming that you know things that you don't know. I love, yes, because I also think that when we make those assumptions we're not it's not just like oh oops i didn't know it it is it is reinforcing a lifetime often that people have experienced of being told that they are wrong they are bad they are other and when we talk about from a very biologic our central nervous system gets activated when we yeah. are othered which means we go into our fight our flight or our freeze and so any time that we perceive that we are going to go into a situation where we are going to be othered it releases cortisol and we get stressed and yeah. imagine being in an industry where you know every single call you're going to make 
every single email you're going to send mm-hmm. puts you at risk of being outwardly othered. Just when people can take a moment to recognize that. And I here are some other examples, because I feel like if there are people who are listening, especially people who fall into a lot of privileged categories, if you are heterosexual, cisgender, you know, all these different things that you're like, I just kind of don't get it. Things like this happen if you've um, ever had someone say, so what college did you go to? Well, that's very presumptuous. How do you know they went to college? Right. Right. But there is, there is a belief. There is a, a cultural belief that if you are a certain age, that everyone went from 12th grade into some kind of college. And then you, you do that. How many times before a couple, I mean, the ink is not even dry on their wedding marriage license. Right. And then people go, so when are you having kids? Right. It's even, I swear. I literally got asked that at my wedding reception as a gay uh, person, like (laughs) clearly biologically couldn't have them with my partner and would need to do some things to make that happen. It, it is like, <laughs> yes, I, it, it, that like, is excuse a real me, example. That's not your business. And exactly. if, and when it ever becomes your business, I will let you know. But it is the presumptions that we make. Cause it, yes. cause what that, that's, it's not curiosity. It right. is audacity. It, <laughs> yeah. Somewhat. I mean, I can say like just a specific example. So my partner and I, we've been together two and a half years and we decided to register with the city of Seattle as domestic partners Um, which we commemorated by buying some rings. And uh, we posted a little little picture on Facebook yesterday and the, the, uh, almost instantly I got a message. Are you guys engaged? Yeah. You guys, are you guys engaged or did you get married? And it's like, um, neither. (laughs) So yeah, there's just, you know, no matter what you do, um, you know, and, and, and granted we were being a little, um, you know, we posted a picture of our fingers with rings on them. So it's, it's not like, it's not a wild assumption, but it's still an assumption. And you can just, you know, it's just a reminder to sort of challenge. Um, again, if you would approach that same situation with a, a curiosity, instead of saying, are you engaged or are you married? Mm-hmm. Like, cause you know, which legit question our friends wanted to know if we just eloped and we were telling them by way of posting this picture, mm-hmm. fine. But what you could say is, Hey, what do those rings mean? which actually someone else did ask. Yeah, what's going on? <laughs> you know? What's this mean? Exactly. Yeah, I noticed you got some rings on your fingers. Does that mean something? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think that's the key. This is a conversation that expands to every area of life. If exactly. you really are curious, then our questioning becomes curious in nature. And curiosity is like children. When they go, what's that? Yeah. How did you do that? What are you doing? Trust me, my kids ask me all the time. They're curious. They don't give me a set of circumstances and then right. this or this. That's not curiosity. You're right. not looking for curiosity to, to have your curiosity satisfied. You're looking to confirm what you've already made up in right. your mind. And I think that's just important for people to, to hear that because then we can do some self-checking. I really appreciate that people like you and Cass are doing work within the industry to just help people think broadly about it. But I also think there's a responsibility on our end just human beings to go, how do I individually become more open and curious about other people? Then that'll translate into some of the work we're doing into our relationships, because that's, that's super important. I also want to highlight for people that some people I know get offended. I've had this happen so many times when people don't share with them news, like if they're thinking about getting married or things like that. And, and number of families that I deal with where it's, you know, I'm upset. You should have told me, well, have you proven trustworthy? Are you a person that someone can trust with information without you having some kind of response that will either alienate them or get too much in their business or take their autonomy. And so we have to ask ourselves that across the wedding industry period, if you're not being invited into the conversation, it might be because you are not registering as a safe person to the people that are, you know, making this decision for their life. Right. Right. And so I am curious, um, did you have weddings around November of 2020? Oh my gosh, November of 2020? No, because we had COVID. 
Oh, shoot. You're right. I was like, did I? <laughs> oh, yeah. That whole pandemic thing. Okay. Yeah. Duh. No, okay. You know what? Yeah. When, when I was it's, thinking about the article, right. which what was no, the title just, of the article again? You no, know, actually, I realized um, while we've been talking that I was meant to write a follow up article, which I did not end up writing. <laughs> that was going to be about um, having your wedding around the 2020 election, which I think we can all agree was very stressful. Yeah. Um, and would have been extremely stressful for anyone with um, misaligned politics within <laughs> their guests list. Yeah. Um, specifically family, but uh, you know, cause you know, you choose your friends and I think most people choose friends whose politics more or less align with their own, but, mm-hmm. uh, or maybe that's just me, but, but uh, you know, you get to pick your um, biological family and sometimes they have very different opinions. Um, no, I didn't because of COVID. I, I, uh, I had worked a wedding on February 29th and on March 4th, my partner was sent home to work remotely indefinitely. And by the end of maybe April, almost all of my 2020 weddings had postponed to this year. And, um, I ended up, I had one, one client who, instead of postponing, decided to elope in Glacier National Park. So I swapped their planning package to an officiating package and we had a nice, and terrifying um, little vacation in the middle of COVID last summer. Um, and, uh, and then I had one more elopement in October and, and until May of this year, that was all the weddings I did. Uh, so yeah, I went, um, what is that? Like seven or eight months without being at a wedding, which is uh, definitely an anomaly <laughs> in my life over the last decade. So what's um, so, indi- what's so interesting about this wild. Is- I had um, a few weddings that I was supposed to attend in 2020, right? That got postponed. And it was so interesting, the varying responses that people had. I mean, some people were pretty um, disappointed and upset uh, because they really, you know, wanted this to happen. Um, I had one friend who was kind of like, you know, we decided that we would prioritize buying a house you know, with the money yeah. we would have spent for the wedding. And so they move forward with that. You know, there were some people who are just kind of like, oh, you know, it's okay. And then there was a wide range. Um, but I do know from proximity to some people in the industry that, I mean, that was you all's livelihood. And so what yeah. was it like? I mean, <laughs> like a lot of other people in a lot of other industries, I will be the first to say my industry went up right we oh yeah influx no of people trust me who, i know from trying to find a therapist yes. <laughs> over the last years like we no one has are, any availability we are fooled. never mind trying to find like a fat queer therapist you can help me that's in my network right <laughs> right like don't eat i know i know i know it's, um you know it took me most of the year actually to find somebody it's so true and <laughs> but things like the arts and the wedding industry yeah it was hit hard. So just what was that like for you trying to navigate? Because again, it's not just your profession. It is your labor of love, right? It is your passion. It is your mission and your calling. And it's how you make your money and your livelihood. So a little bit of what that was like for you. Um, It it has been very stressful, um, obviously for the wedding industry, also as a person with a theater background who still has a lot of people for whom theater is their main profession. I have, I don't even know how many friends who spent the whole year on unemployment, um, just hoping for things to start opening up, which they are a little bit now. So I've seen a few friends get to go back to work, which is, you know, nice. Um, But yeah, it's been, excuse me, it's been a pretty devastating 16 months or whatever here. Um, I, I'm thankful that, um, I, well, first I have the best clients that there are. Um, you can fight me on it. I'll win. Um, my clients rule. Um, and as a whole, my clients absolutely prioritized their health, their guest health and public health over celebrating, which is why, like I said, all but one postponed to this year. Um, no, all but two postponed to this year. I had one that canceled entirely and we're just like, eh, forget it. We'll just go do a courthouse thing or whatever. Um, and, uh, you know, and because of the way my business is structured, I have always offered monthly payment plans to my clients and most of them take me up on that. So I actually um, didn't really lose income in, t- in most of 2020. Um, I, I, it's hard to count what you didn't lose in some, or what, or what you, what you um, didn't, didn't get, I guess, yeah. in some ways in an industry that is, um, you know, we're a one-time industry. We don't have repeat clients. That's not how weddings work. 
Um, you know, if, if all goes well, we, we never want to do a second wedding for you. That's, <laughs> that's the goal, right? And um, so uh, what, we, what we saw a big loss in is new bookings. So um, I was, you know, thankful that because of the way my payments are, are structured that I, uh, you know, a lot of wedding industry folks have like a 50% upfront and a 50% due the month before the wedding, which means people who were canceling or postponing a month, two months, three months before the wedding was scheduled to happen, all, a lot of those payments got deferred or, you know, canceled if the wedding was canceled. Um, so a lot of people really lost a lot of um, anticipated income that way. Uh, and I'm, I'm grateful and I sort of feel guilty <laughs> not to be um, among that crowd. Um, I've had a few friends who, who gave up and closed their businesses, which makes me very sad. Um, especially, you know, people that are just excellent professionals and wonderful people to work with. And, um, you know, it just, uh, it was too much of a financial strain. I think we're only just beginning to see, uh, I, I, I'm anticipating that there will be more closures to come from people that sort of have made it through um, to this point. But, you know, like, for example, I made it through 2020 okay, but now all of my 2021 weddings are income that came in last year. So mm-hmm. I'm having to stretch my 2020 income over 2020 and 2021. And I think, you know, a lot, a lot of people experience the flip where their 2020 income all got pushed to 2021. So if they survived the year, then they're in better shape this year. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess I had the perk of sort of being able to plan for this year a little bit better. Um, but yeah, it's been, um, it's been tough. It's been stressful. We, um, planners specifically have been super overworked despite not being able to do weddings because we have spent the time we would be doing these weddings, working more hours, mostly without extra compensation (laughs) to move all of our clients' weddings to do, because we're, you know, when, when I'm the planner, it's my job to coordinate your team of vendors to a new date, to find replacement vendors if someone can't do the new date, um, and to just coordinate all those logistics. Um, It has fallen to us in, in many cases to be sort of the the COVID um, security police, whatever, like there's no, there's no um, precedent for uh, vaccination record checks at the door or, uh, you know, showing test results. And so we've sort of, and there is not like procedures. We're, we're not healthcare institutions. We, we don't have, um, you know, sort of a process for screening for, deadly pandemics at the entrance to weddings. Uh Um, And so, you know, that sort of has fallen on us to go like, what's the COVID protocol for this event? Um, What's worse than that even, (laughs) and has been, at least for me, the most stressful is trying to keep up with all of the changes over the last year. I travel a lot for weddings. I had weddings in 12 different states that were scheduled for 2020. Um, trying to keep up with the ever-changing restrictions on how many guests can come, can you have a dance floor, how far apart do you have to sit from each other, are you allowed to have a DJ right now, are we allowed to, like, do we have to wear a mask, is there any exception for the couple not to wear a mask during the ceremony, does the officiant have to wear a mask if they stand at least 12 feet away, like, there's just a myriad of these things, and they were changing um, every week sometimes, but, but, you know, every two or three weeks kind of as a routine for the entire last year and trying to track that across multiple states and cities and counties with their own rules that may or may not agree with their state or their city or their county or federal suggestions was just um, mind boggling and maddening. And, and uh, sure. unfortunately it is not quite over yet, but it is, it is starting to, yeah, yes, exhausting. It's been, it's been very tiring and well, very I- stressful. I really appreciate that perspective, Cindy, because what I'm hoping that it does, right? I, even if a whopping 90% of the listeners of this podcast are not interested in getting married or are already married, what I'm hoping is happening is that they are going, hmm, there is the equivalent of a wedding planner in my life somewhere, in my Mm. business, in the industry that I work in. In, in my family to recognize that, you know, the brunt of planning, organization, organizing, that falls to someone. Right. And, and, and I think sometimes people in general are so 
um, entitled, not even purposely, but they're so entitled. They're so used to things just getting done that they don't take Mm -hmm. a moment sometimes to go like, oh, someone did that. And I'm hoping what they're hearing is just the idea and this notion that there are people who are making things happen right now on the, can we call it the back end of the pandemic? I don't know, somewhere, somewhere in (laughs) behind the scenes of, 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 um, (laughs) of a pandemic that we're benefiting from, but we are not thanking, we are not compensating, and we're not even recognizing and acknowledging that people are making these things happen. And so I really appreciate your perspective because I, I, again, I think it, it spans to so many other areas of life that this just happens to be one of them. Right. Nothing actually happens by magic. Nothing. I know. Right. You know, we planners are kind of magical, but nothing happens by magic. It happens by hard work organization and a whole lot of spreadsheets. You know, (laughs) I appreciate that. (laughs) You know, maybe, maybe you're a person who in your home life benefits from having a partner who does the meal planning and makes the grocery list and thinks about like, what activities do we have going on in the evenings and how will that hinder our ability to make a 30 minute versus a one hour cooking plan? Like there's, you know, we can talk a lot about, I don't want to go off too big of a tangent, but um, you know, it, it, because it comes up in weddings too, is um, a gender disparity. We like, as women, we are raised to understand that uh, we should know everything about planning a wedding. Like just as soon as we pop out of the womb, um, and it, uh, we should know exactly what kind of wedding we want to have and what it's supposed to look like, whether or not we've yet met the person we want to marry. Um, and we should magically be able to make it all come together. Uh, and then, you know, God forbid we should know what we want and then ask for it. And then get, then we get called a bridezilla. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, uh-huh. you know, we have these disparities on, on the home front too. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the many ways, uh, you know, we joke, but it's sort of serious. Like, um, we like, we're like, I'm so glad I'm gay <laughs> because I get to, again, from the place of having, um, we don't have those sort of like traditional gender roles, like who says I'm the one who has to do the housework or whatever. No one does because I didn't, I didn't, you know, fall in love with a man. So there's no presumption there about whose job, what thing is, everything's negotiated and there's a real freedom to that. And that's the negotiation. I work with couples all the time, very similarly to what you talked about here. You came to this relationship with an idea of what your roles are, what your partner's roles would be, what your kids' roles will be, and the kind of look on their face when they execute those roles. Right. And so when that doesn't happen, we move into this space of where our expectations are one place, our reality is another, and the space that's in between it is called disappointment. And so so much time disappointed because our realities and our expectations are so far. And sometimes people think that the only way to move that and minimize uh, disappointment is I got to change my reality. So I'm leaving this relationship or you got to change when sometimes our expectations coupled with a shift in our reality means that we are being more real, more realistic. So I appreciate that so much. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm like, you know, I'm a, I'm kind of a slob. I hate cleaning. Um, I'm interested in a super clean kitchen. And other than that, I could care. Well, I couldn't care less. Honestly, my partner's like, I'll clean the bathrooms. And I'm like, cool. I'll fold the towels. And I sit over here and I anal retentively fold the towels and they look like you just bought them out of bed, bath and beyond. And my partner's like, I don't know how you fold towels like that. And I'm like, but you clean the toilet. So it's great. Yeah. Like, you know, and you when don't I have to clean toilets, you don't have to fold towels. It's all good. You go. And that is my partner and I as well. I yeah, mean, right. and it's so interesting because you talk about assumptions and presumptions, right? right. Um, if something needs to be fixed, people are like, oh, is your husband going to do? No, I am. While he's cooking yeah. dinner. laundry because that's how we roll and I will say that in the beginning it was tough for both of us even though we weren't necessarily talking about how tough it was we both came with I should be doing this it should be my responsibility I should and we had to really go like hold up first of all who is should we keep shooting on ourselves and they they show up in every single session that I do every single training that I perform they show up but no one can point them out of a lineup whoever they are no one can have right. them drawn by you know an artist we don't know what they look like they just show up in all of our expectations so we now have been able to say what works for us 
And right. it ain't got to work for nobody else. And when you realize exactly. that ain't nobody yeah. else paying your bills and ain't nobody else taking care of your <laughs> bills and ain't nobody else doing all that stuff, then they kind of get dismissed. And we say it's no longer relevant what they think. So exactly. I, I appreciate the freedom. And like you said, that it's not just uh, couples and partners within LGBTQ plus yeah. relationships that have the access to that freedom. It's just that... Um, that freedom is more inherent because they don't have decades and decades and decades of expectations right, placed right. upon them. So I really Sometimes I want to be like, yo, straight people, you don't have to, you know, do all the cooking just because, you know, you have boobs. True story, because I don't. But <laughs> the fun you don't have to be the one with the power drill just because you don't have boobs. Like mm-hmm. we don't we don't have to make a chore chart based on genitalia. We could make it based on who enjoys things or hates them less <laughs> we can do it based on where our skills lie like what amazing thoughts <laughs> so one thing I do want to talk about before we finish up um and so happy pride month and we are putting this out in June of 2021 and I am just curious what does pride mean for you oh it means a lot of things I you know, in fact, I, I wrote a status update about this recently. And um, one, one thing that I always take a moment to remember in Pride Month is that Pride didn't start out as a celebration. It didn't start out as a parade. It didn't start out as a party. It didn't start out with like, you know, lots of people in assless chaps running down the street waving Mardi Gras beads. Like that is a place that it has evolved to. Um, it did not start out with corporate sponsors. <laughs> Pride started when trans women of color push back against police who were arresting them, beating them up, um, killing them as they still are, um, just for being who they were. Pride started when when you had to have a secret passcode to go to a bar to meet other people like you because it wasn't okay to be gay in public. Um, and it certainly wasn't okay to be trans in public. And it extra wasn't okay to be any of those things and also not white in public. Um, so I try to remember that uh, it, it, Pride is a riot. It's a riot and it's a pushback. And um, I think a lot of straight people think, oh, y'all got marriage equality. Everything's good for you now. Well, and I mean, we had a black president, so <laughs> racism doesn't exist. So, Racism's yeah. done. We're done. We live in a post-racial world. And um, so... Yeah, it's it seems like a lot of straight folks think that, you know, we got our marriage equality and we're all good. Um, so one thing that I reiterate a lot during Pride um, is the rights we still don't have. It is still perfectly legal in um, quite a few states to deny someone housing based on their gender identity or sexual orientation. It is still legal um, in many states for um, private employers um well, actually, no, last year we passed an, uh, some version. It's not the original Employment Non-Discrimination Act, which I've been trying to get passed for like my, probably my whole life. Um, but we, we now are prohibited from employment discrimination, uh, at least at a federal level for federal employees across the board. And, and many states have enacted some protections for, for private employers. And I think, but I'm going to remember it wrong and feel free to edit this out if it just got too long. <laughs> we, no, you're good. This is good information. I think that um, last year there was a Supreme Court ruling that now I believe requires all employers that have at least 15 employees or more um, not to discriminate based on sexual orientation. I think it's still totally fine to discriminate based on gender identity in some of those places. Um, but what inevitably happens is that every year on June 1st, some straight person does something where I'm like, are you kidding me? And during Pride? Um, this year it was a person I absolutely know without a doubt to be straight in a queer parenting group asking for free emotional labor about putting together pride curriculum for their kids preschool. I don't have any problems with queer people talking about putting together pride curriculum for their kids preschool in a queer parenting group. Big problem with someone being in a queer parenting group who's not queer asking for this free labor from our community so they can go back and be a hero at their school. Um, and asking for it on June 1st when Pride is already happening, like do that shit in February, okay? 
No, um, don't do it. That's I know. I'm sorry. Month. That's your month. I just picked a month and it was wrong. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But to your point, right? There but is this like understanding that um, when months like Black History Month come up, right? right? Um, when Hispanic Heritage Month comes up, when Pride Month comes up, yeah. people's interests are peaked. And I get it yeah. because there are these big pushes, right? There's whether they are genuine or not, we'll we know that some of them are not, but right. there, we, we do understand that there is a heightened curiosity. Yeah. What's not okay is for people to take the opportunity, like you said, to say, oh, let me get all of this knowledge from the people who are being actively oppressed by systems so that I can feel like I can check a box or even feel like a better person or right. whatever, or, you know, without one understanding that this is work awareness building, demolishing whole systems of oppression. It's a lot of work and that you mm -hmm. want to do it on the backs of those who are oppressed for free or for a discount or for nothing. This is not okay. And so, no. yeah. Or like, I could you at least do it in not June, any other month, not June. Okay. This is our month for us to be us. Yeah. So, you know, to continue on, like in what pride means to me. So I, it, it's recognizing the struggles and the achievements, um, and the trauma of those who have gone before us, um, it is, it is, um, I think of it also as, as honoring the memory of the many, many LGBTQ folks that have died from being LGBTQ+, whether that's from police brutality, from the, for long, long time unrecognized AIDS crisis that wasn't dealt with in anything remotely resembling a swift manner, um, whether that's from, you know, hate crimes, um, there, there, there are lots of, whether that's from suicide, because it's hard. <laughs> it's especially hard if your family rejects you and you don't um, find your queer community right away. Um, we, we lose a lot, especially teenagers and especially trans folks and especially trans folks of color. We lose a lot, a lot of them to suicide. Um, we lose a lot of them to homelessness when they get kicked out of their homes. So it's, 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 Recognizing and honoring the struggles that have come before us, to me, it is also um, celebrating our resilience. You know, all these things have have, have happened, continue to happen, but we're still here. Uh, it is welcoming. Um, it's a it's a family reunion. It's a month long family reunion. Everyone everyone LGBTQ plus is my family. I don't care if I met you or not. I don't care if I like you or not. You're you're part of my community. Um, so pride is pride is a family reunion in some ways. Um, it's it's celebrating the many things we have achieved, the rights we have gained, the ability that we have to an extent to live freely as ourselves, and it is celebrating being ourselves, you know, whether we have the ability to do so freely or not. Um, so it's it's uh, it's um it's a lot of things. Well, I so genuinely appreciate that because I know that there are people who might even be able to say, oh, June is Pride Month, or people who might be able to say, oh, a lot of um, rainbows go up <laughs> around this time, and they have their own ideas of what it is. And so I genuinely appreciate you sharing with listeners all that it is for you. And I encourage listeners to ask someone else, what does it mean for you that we have this ability to move into curiosity without making assumptions, without thinking we have to have the answer? I live my life now that I have far more questions than answers, and I am um, I'm in so much of, of a better space because I ain't got to try to figure it out or act like I know everything. And right. so- Cindy, I so appreciate you taking the time to be with me and to talk with me and for my uh, listeners to hear so much about you. So if someone heard something and they were intrigued or they're getting ready to plan a wedding soon, or they just want to get in touch with you, how might they find and get in touch with you? I'm available everywhere um, at my company, which is called Isle Less Traveled. And that is Isle like the thing you walk down, not Isle like a little bit of land in the ocean, A-I-S-L-E-L-E-S-S-T-R-A-V-E-L-E-D. Uh, and you can find me at, under that handle on Facebook, Instagram. And I have a TikTok account. I post once on it. I'm really kind of too old for it. But if you want to send me your favorite TikTok, I will totally watch it. 
uh, or you can go to ilstravel.com and uh, find all the other ways to contact me there. Um, yeah. I love that. Beautiful. We will have her contact information in the show notes, as well as an organization. I personally recommend GLSEN, the Gay, Lesbian, Straight Education Network. We'll have a link there for you to follow. If you've heard anything um, and you want to know, how can I learn more without taxing, you know, my friends and coworkers and people I know, if you want to learn how you can be supportive and how you can move towards allyship. If you are a young person or an old person or any person who wants to uh, get extra support, definitely a resource that I recommend. Are there any other resources that you would like to offer? I would add on that um, I am pretty much always happy to answer questions from people who are asking them for the right reasons uh, and respectfully. So, you know, feel free to what do they say? Drop in my DMs. I don't slide into my DMs. The slide. We go slide. <laughs> I love it. Feel oh. free to shoot me a DM. Um, and if you like really, really, really want to hear about LGBTQ plus weddings um, from the people who make them and have them, um, I also have a podcast called Super Gay Wedding and you can give that a listen. Love it. We will also have a link to that in the show notes. And finally, an interesting, fun, or little known fact about yourself, Cindy. So a little known fact is that I once got locked in a hotel bathroom in Mexico and I managed to get out of it without speaking any words of English because the uh, maintenance guy they sent down, I found out really what the, uh, you know how you get the hotel room and you're like, why is there a phone in the bathroom? Guess what? <laughs> I found out what you can use it for when you lock the bathroom door and then you try to leave the bathroom and the door won't open. You call the front desk on that little phone and say, hola. The gift that keeps giving. Thank you. Now we know why that's there. (laughs) Excellent. So I used that and um, that was my uh, fun trip to Mexico. I got locked in a bathroom um, alone and uh, my my Spanish was basic. Um, I guess, thank you, high school Spanish. Um, Yeah. So I was able to get out of there with um, no English spoken and a a door taken off its hinges. So I love (laughs) it. It worked out. Thank you. Sincere thanks to you. I want to give a special shout out to Trey Angel, who does all the music for the Labors of Love podcast, to my producer, Jay Sugg from Instant Classic Media, and of course, to you, my listeners. If you have suggestions for content or guests, please reach out at the website, www.thelaborsoflove.com, or on all the major social media outlets, except for TikTok, at least for now. But go ahead and head on over to Instagram, where you can find our specific Instagram page just for the podcast, the underscore LOL underscore pod and don't forget that we have our youtube channel where we house all of our therapy thursday videos if you haven't already go ahead and give us that five star rating write us a review and share the podcast with your friends and loved ones until we connect again you all be well